Hi and welcome to the St Saviour's Finsbury Park podcast. Our vision is to be a church alive in God's love to serve the city. And we hope this teaching helps you to know God and serve him more wherever you've been uniquely placed. Let's jump in. Shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame wasn't hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So we just pray perhaps the most ancient prayer of the church. Holy Spirit, come. Would you come and roam our hearts? Would you speak to us through your word this morning? Would each of us know something more of your love in this time? Amen. Love is the crux of the Christian faith. God's unconditional love for humankind, demonstrated in the incarnation, which is just a long word for God's son Jesus coming to live as a human, dying to take our sin and our pain and restore our relationship with God and with each other. And we know that in life there are different types of love. The Bible in particular references four types. um, The Bible references storge, which is love between family members, Eros love, we might be able to guess that one, sexual love between partners. Philia love, brotherly love, love that unites us, perhaps as a church family. But it also talks about the love that we're going to look at this morning, which is agape love, God's unconditional love for humankind. And this is not just a sentiment, this is a sentiment that has demonstrated itself through action, immeasurable, incomparable, ongoing self-sacrificing. And Romans 5, 8 um, describes this to us best. It says, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that is the narrative of the whole of the Bible. I mean, there's quite a lot in here. It can be quite complicated. Um, I have to... Well, we have actually um, given the chance to our family um, a Bible today um, as, as part of Iona's baptism. I'm very evangelical about this Bible. I love it. I'm actually going to read a little bit from it because for me this says something of what it is that the Bible is, that essentially it's a story of love. God wrote, I love you. He wrote it in the sky and on the earth and under the sea. He wrote his message everywhere. Because God created everything in this world to reflect him like a mirror, to show us what he's like, to help us to know him, to make our hearts sing. And God put it into words too and wrote it in a book called the Bible. Now some people think the book of the Bible is a book about rules telling you what you should and shouldn't do. The Bible certainly has some rules in it. They show you how life works best. But the Bible isn't mainly about you and what you should do. It's about God and what he's done. Other people think the Bible is a book of heroes, showing you some people you should copy. The Bible does have some heroes in it, but as you'll soon find out, most of the people in the Bible aren't heroes at all. 
They make some big mistakes, sometimes on purpose. They get afraid and run away at times. They are downright mean. Now, the Bible isn't a book of rules or a book of heroes. It's most of all a story. It's an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a faraway country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything to rescue the one he loves. It's like the most wonderful of fairy tales that has come true in real life. See, the best thing about this story is it's true. There are lots of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story. The story of how God loves his children and came to rescue them. So yeah, do have a look at that Bible later. Mine's looking a little bit dogged because we've read it so much. God created the world in love. And that even when humankind went in on itself, which if any of you have listened to any news this week, we'll know that this is true, that God sent his son Jesus. And Jesus' life and his teaching and ultimately his death is how we know love. And faith aside, we we all recognize that love is an important and a powerful force in our lives. This is perhaps one of my favorite quotes about, um, in particular, the love that parents feel by Maureen Hawkins. Before you were conceived, I wanted you. Before you were born, I loved you. Before you were here an hour, I would die for you. This is the miracle of love. And I'm guessing this is something of how Edmund Gabby might feel about Iona. Um, I'm at the other end of the parenting moment. I'm in this bittersweet moment where my oldest daughter, Olivia, who is as small as Iona, only what feels like yesterday, turns 18 in exactly a week's time and prepares to leave home. And even in our strongest human relationships, it doesn't just need to be a parent and a newborn child. It can be in all the different relationships that we have. We struggle to love perfectly. And I can definitely hold my hands up and say that for myself. I'm guessing we can all say that about the relationships that we have in our lives. We can struggle to love how we really would like to love. Because even the most loving people struggle to love unconditionally. And even the people that we love the most, if we bring them to mind now, our closest friends, our children, our parents, our family, our partners, we can struggle to love them unconditionally especially when they inevitably hurt us. Our human experience of giving and receiving love is undoubtedly limited. God's love for us is immeasurable, incomparable, ongoing. And 1 Corinthians 13 is a verse that I'm guessing many people will know quite well. This is the Bible's um, reference to the sort of love that God is, that God gives, that we can even attempt to try and do ourselves. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And on one hand, we can read that and think of the beauty of those words. On the other hand, we can think of that and think in our lives, do we manage even half of those things on a good day? I certainly don't. This is some of the love that we can receive 
from God. And as part of my training to get this this far to be a priest, um, I did a placement in um, Pentonville, our local men's prison, quite some time ago now. And God has revealed himself and his love for humankind in a really new way to me in that place. He has put the thousand or so staff and men in that place really on my heart. And I go in there every week as a chaplain. And I visit the men. At the moment, I'm visiting guys in the segregation unit, the mental health wings, and those who are vulnerable to suicide. And sometimes I know what they're in prison for. Most of the time, I don't. But as I reflect on my role as a chaplain, I find that I relate to the guys better if I don't know actually what they're in for. Sometimes I find that out anyway for lots of different reasons. Sometimes if I get to know people, they'll tell me themselves. And prison can be a really violent, dark, chaotic place, but can also be a place of deep hope, a place where men have time to think about what's led them there. And I really want to be part of showing them God's love regardless of their past. I want to be a seed sower because for the men I meet, I want to be part of their journey of faith for freedom and healing that only Jesus can bring. And if I go to someone and I treat them as I find them like anyone else, I get to see a glimpse of who they really are, their potential of how God might see them, not just the sum of their worst worst actions in our first encounter. And if we're honest, we all have stuff in our lives we would definitely not like others to know about us, or certainly not when they first meet us. That's definitely the case for me. But when we go back to Psalm 139, we see this certainty that God knows us totally, inside and out. From the day we were conceived, all of our mistakes, our failures, our our failures, our pain, nothing is hidden from God. And he loves us regardless, and he searches us out. And Jesus came to earth to demonstrate God's love for us and how he lived, but ultimately in dying for us. And we see this in his life. He chose to draw close to social outcasts. He invited himself to have dinner with someone who was incredibly corrupt and unjust, the tax collector Zacchaeus. When he was invited to a really nice dinner party and a sex worker came in and anointed him with oil, he honoured her above the other people because he saw her heart of worship. When people had leprosy in those times, they were told to stay away and to shout out unclean and to stay several meters away from others. Jesus went straight in there and touched people with leprosy. When he was searching for the best way of describing the Father's love, he used stories like the prodigal son. I know I tell this story often. I cannot resist it because for me it demonstrates something of the Father's heart for us because God says, this is what God the Father is like to you. A man had two sons. His youngest son turns around to him and says, Dad, I want my money now. Doesn't matter, you're not dead. I want it now. The father gives it to him. The son goes off and spends his money on what the Bible nicely described as wild living. You can fill in the details. Either way, he gets to the point where he has literally spent every penny of his inheritance. He then ends up in a job where he's feeding pigs. He is so hungry, he's eating the pig food. And he has, only at this point the moment of realisation where I think, flipping it, what's, what's going on with my life? Even the guys who work for my dad, the servants for him, have way more than I do. Maybe if I go back home, dad might let me work for him and he starts his journey home and he starts his apology. 
And in those days, if the um, son had done something that disrespectful, I mean, I think nowadays, I think most parents would probably be feeling a similar sort of con. Um, sort of ideas but in those days in particular there would be some sort of ritual that you would go through as a parent where you would basically say my son is dead to me he means nothing and he would be outcast not just from you but from the entire community if he was ever to come back again this dad instead has been looking out on the horizon for his son every single day and as his son comes in he he sees him a long way off and he realizes it's his son And his son comes to him with the apology. He starts it as he's saying, Dad, I'm so sorry. I've completely messed up. I've spent all the money. I know I've shamed you. I've shamed myself. I've shamed our entire community. And before he can get even halfway through the apology, the dad draws him into an embrace. I've got another picture as well. Maybe the next one will be good too. When I just last told this story, I was told there was an even better picture of the father and the prodigal daughter as well. So whichever thing speaks to you. He draws him into an embrace. And the Bible says he takes off his robe and he puts it on him. And he puts his ring on his hand and he puts sandals on his feet. And that's not just because that's a nice act. It's because it's a way of entirely reinstating him as a son. And then he, he kills the fattened calf and he throws a massive party. And he draws in people and said, the son that was dead and is lost is found and is alive to me again. And the story closes with a very bittersweet ending as well, where the father realizes his other son, the son who's been doing exactly as he's been asked to do for his whole life and has just been quietly getting on with it, will not come into the party. And, and to some extent, we kind of read and think, oh yeah, you know, that terrible older brother. Actually, how would that really feel to have your dad give away half his money and then for your, son, your brother to return? And for your dad to just perhaps naively or perhaps just overgenerously just welcome him back, pretend it's all okay, the older son feels perhaps um, we might sympathize with him incredibly angry and really shocked by his dad's generosity and the, the shame that's been put on the family and won't join in the party. God says he's like this father who accepts his son just as he is, in his failure, in his pain, and welcomes him home. And for us today, I think we are used to needing to hiding those bit of ourselves that we might at some point have felt shame about. Sometimes we need to be seen to be the kind, the funny, the interesting person for people to invite us to things or want to hang out with us or speak well of us. Or when we put stuff on Insta, we're carefully editing the photos to get the likes. Because we worry that people might think differently if they see us as we really are. And Jesus broke through those norms. As Matt was saying earlier, he hung out with the sinners, with the sick, and with the poor. But it wasn't just them. He hung out with anyone who recognized their need of him and received his love in their hearts. And Jesus lived this life and he told stories of God's love like the prodigal son and he showed God's love in how he lived but ultimately he demonstrated God's agape unconditional love for us by dying on the cross by standing in our place for all the things that we have done wrong for all the pain that we have in our lives because he loves us that is the message of the gospel the gospel just means good news And all we have to do is to accept that as a gift, which, let's be honest, we don't always find that easy to do. We need to choose to reorientate our lives around him. And we have this invitation to receive his unconditional love this morning.
And some of the baptism words that we said earlier shows us something of this too. As Psalm 139 and Matt's prayer told us at the end, that Iona is known and beloved of God before she could do anything else to respond to that love. Each of us are also beloved as God exactly as we are. Unfortunately for me, Matt read a slightly different version of this prayer. But this is, oh, no. um, but this is, this is the prayer that he prayed in essence. And that, in fact, we all prayed over Iona. But I feel like I'd love to just pray this over each of us now. You might want to close your eyes. You might just want to look at this. But I feel like I, this is, this is um, what the invitation for this morning, really. For you, Jesus Christ came into the world. For you, he loved and showed God's love, lived and showed God's love. For you, he suffered death on the cross. For you, he triumphed over death, rising to newness of life. For you, he prays at God's right hand. All of this for you, before you could know anything of it. And we can find it hard to get our heads round a God that would know us intimately and love us entirely. But that's the invitation um, that we have every single day, and the invitation especially this morning of knowing God's unconditional love. And we can only give um, love out of the overflow as well. When we were thinking about those verses in 1 Corinthians, and we think we fall so short. Um, and John um, says, we love because he first loved us. When we are full of God's love in our hearts, that enables us to see others how he sees them and to show our love and God's love to them. So can I invite the band to come up now? We're just going to take a little bit of space and time just to respond to God's love in however you feel you would like to this morning. The God who created each of us, who has loved us from the moment that we are conceived, and we believe that he is here by the Holy Spirit. So the band are going to um, play. You're very welcome to, um, yeah, maybe if you'd like to, if you're able to, you can stand. And whether this is something you have done every day of your life or whether this is something you have never done before, um, just want to just stand with you and just pray that the Father would um, reveal his love to you in a fresh way this morning. And we have people who would love to stand along. If you feel that you would like someone to pray with you for that, we have loads of people who would love to pray with you. But if you want to just do that in, your, in where you're standing, that's also fine, because the Holy Spirit is present throughout the whole of this space right now. And also, if you have someone in your lives you're close to who you really need to receive more of God's love in order to love them well, then that's also someone that you can be giving to him right now. So we say, Holy Spirit, come. And one way that you can do that if you want to posture yourself is to put your hands out in front of you. There's no pressure to do that, but sometimes it's about like we're saying we want to receive a gift.
Lord, I just pray that you would come and that you would meet each of us. You know where we're at. You know what's gone in in our lives. You know what we've come with this morning. I also know that each of us needs something more of you. So we ask that you would reveal yourself to us afresh, that you would pour your love into our hearts afresh this morning. you as well if you would love us to um, pray with you for this and you really feel you want to receive um, the Father's love in a fresh way this morning just to come forwards we've got loads of people who would love to stand with you and pray with you Father, we thank you for what Bex has just shared, so powerful, the heart of the gospel. Um, we thank you that, that basically God isn't a show-off. He doesn't talk about the fact that he knows everything um, just to show off. He speaks because he wants to act. And, um, and therefore, when we, when we pray a prayer over Iona that says, before you were born, I knew you. All this I've done for you in Jesus Christ before you even knew it. He's not doing it to demonstrate how kind and how loving he is. He wants to do something in your life. And so we want to carve out some time. Um, C.S. Lewis said, one day, if you're lucky, you might be old enough to enjoy your fairy tales again. Um, Christianity isn't a patronizing religion. It's not there to condescend you. But it is calling you into a mystery. And therefore, it's easy on a day like this to gather around the front font and have a reaction that's a bit, oh, sweet. Isn't that sweet that God would do that for a little baby? But maybe when she grows up, she'll know better. No, no, Christianity is a religion that the way into the gospel is the way on in the gospel. What we've just spoken over Iona, God wants to speak over your life afresh. Um, so we, we, we are just would love to wait and encourage you to push your way out and come and receive some prayer. Um, almost as a way of saying, Lord, um, w- would you make a journey from a kind of intellectual faith to an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't really feel that actually anything is wrong in your life, but, um, but, but, but maybe, maybe there's a prayer to say, Lord, would you, would you, would you draw alongside me in my life? Maybe, maybe help me to live more honestly with myself, but also with the people around me. My encouragement is to push your way out from the chairs and, and come and get some prayer. Someone will stand next to you and put a hand on your shoulder. Maybe you could say, don't touch me, that's okay too. Um, but they'll literally just say, Holy Spirit, would you come and, and, and help them live more honestly. If you know that you're broken, if you know that actually there's many ways, maybe dramatic, maybe really subtle, that you're damaging yourself and those around you, my encouragement is to push your way out from the chairs and be brave. Someone will come and stand with you and to hear afresh the Father's voice over your life, saying, this is my son, this is my daughter. I am so, so pleased with them. So Holy Spirit, as we respond now, I pray you'd come. We're just gonna wait for a moment. And my encouragement is to be brave and come and and receive some prayer. Holy Spirit, would you come?
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. So if you're connected to the St. Saviour's family, if, you, if you're a member of a hub group and you're willing to, we'd love just to come and stand with these folk up front. Um, we need a couple of um, women. Um, can you just...